Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. It's uh, time now for our China Perspective segment. But today, instead of covering headlines coming out of China, we're going to shift our conversation to China's relationship with the United States, especially since U.S. President Joe Biden met up with his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping at the G20 summit. And that's something that's on the front page of the Straits Times this morning. Xi and Biden vowing to avoid conflict and get China-U.S. ties back on track. So, of course, they talked about trade, the Taiwan issue, as well as deepening communication. So, in just a while, I'll be discussing these issues with my guest this morning, who is Sadiq Waba, member of the Council on Foreign Relations, Wilson Center's Global Advisory Council and Senior Fellow for NYU. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very good, sir. Let's talk about uh, the U.S. latest legislation relating to China. Let's start off with that one. Tell us a little bit about how recent pieces of legislation has impacted that relationship with China. Is the administration in the U.S. trying to restore their foreign policy in a more constructive manner? Yes, look, I think we have to start, honestly, with the meeting between uh, President Xi Jinping and President Biden. Uh, Certainly, from the looks of it, from the statements made by both sides, from the facial expressions, this seems to have been a very positive meeting. Uh, Several things have come out of it, which has a direct impact on your question. Uh, You you have the president who said uh, there is no new Cold War. Uh, The U.S. does not believe that China will invade Taiwan, which I think is a very important statement. And more importantly, there is a a desire to resume immediately talks on several fronts. Uh, The laws uh, that were passed were mainly uh, in the U.S. geared towards encouraging domestic production and not having to rely on any particular uh, source. So it's really around supply chain. And the most important law, if you want to say that has an impact on the U.S.-China relation, uh, is the CHIPS Act. Um, but in, in fairness, none of these have a direct target towards China. Um, most of the action between the U.S. and China were done uh, through executive orders by imposing trade barriers between the U.S. and China, uh, going back to 2018. Uh, and as you know, trade barriers on both sides is not helpful to international trade and international growth. So hopefully over the coming period, uh, it would be great to see that these trade barriers imposed on both sides are removed over time. Mm. Was there a sense of confidence from President Biden's end, you know, going into this meeting with presidency on the back of the projected win as far as the midterm elections are concerned? I have to believe that that is the case. At the end of the day, uh, the Democratic Party did extremely well relative to what people expected, uh, either through the control of the Senate, but more importantly, through uh, even if the Republicans win Congress, through a much lesser margin that people expected. Uh, So that will allow uh, for uh, the previous bills that were passed by Congress uh, really not to be uh, overturned. And that's an important consideration. Uh, So you have the infrastructure bill, which was passed exactly a year ago, uh, and that bill will continue. It's looking to invest $1.2 trillion in domestic infrastructure. You have the CHIPS Act that we mentioned. Uh, You have uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, which is geared towards a green economy, which is very important. Uh, So all of these are playing a key role uh, in terms of economic growth over the coming period. Mm. You've written about U.S. competition with China. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Cooperation is really both competition and cooperation. And interestingly, you heard the president uh, yesterday 
uh, with President Xi Jinping uh, mentioned that exactly, that the U.S. will compete vigorously uh, with, the, with China. But the fact is, the U.S. competes vigorously with Europe, competes vigorously yeah. with Canada and everyone yeah. else. So that, I think, there's nothing wrong with that. I think what we need to focus over the coming period is cooperation. Uh, global infrastructure, where China has taken a lead, is one area in which both countries can clearly cooperate, both in terms of investing together in key infrastructure that will help supply chain bottlenecks for everyone. Mm. Where does, from China's perspective, right, where does the Belt and Road Initiative come into play here as far as competition is concerned? The, the Belt and Road Initiative was started uh, over 10 years ago and depending on how you ask who you ask the question uh, had different objectives at the end of the day from China's perspective that is looking at increasing economic growth and uh, reducing poverty to its population improving economic standing uh, that part was of course uh, to be able to ensure that you have global supply chain and security of commodities agricultural products and so on Uh, Another interpretation is that, of course, the Belt and Road Initiative was really to encourage uh, Chinese dominance globally. I I think neither are completely true nor completely wrong. Uh, The the question is, over the last 10 years, uh, China has really improved a lot its performance, in my opinion, of the BRI. Uh, Maybe 10 years ago, these projects were not done in the best way. Uh, Certainly, there's been an improvement. The World Bank has set up an entire unit Uh, that has produced a lot of reports on the BRI that analyzes every single aspect of it, including procurement, including labor issues, including environmental issues. So going forward, uh, rather than compete with the BRI uh, on all fronts, I think the United States and other countries should look to cooperate. In some areas, people will definitely compete on BRI projects. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But at the same time, you want to be able to cooperate in some of these areas. Uh, the United States has launched the Global Partnership for Infrastructure Initiative, which yeah. is $100 billion. Uh, that is a great vehicle to cooperate and to compete, hence cooperation. Mm. And, you know, the U.S. has also shown a lot of interest and affirmation to the ASEAN region as well. It's safe to say that they do want to have some kind of cooperation. The only issue is with regard to seeing eye to eye as far as certain regulations are concerned where China is involved. I think that's correct, but take, for example, Singapore. Singapore, in my view, has taken a leading role, uh, both in the ASEAN country and globally, in promoting uh, efficiency, in promoting environmentally sound economic growth. Uh, It's a city-state that really should be used as an example for other major international cities across the world, Mm. whether it's Miami, whether it's New York, whether it's Cairo, Manila. Uh, because it has been able to manage uh, that city-state economy in, in a way that is an exemplar to others. So these things are really important because you want to use that not only to play an important role in ASEAN, but to be able to continue to attract foreign direct investments in the region because you want to continue to have economic growth in the domestic markets and regionally. Mm. And finally, I mean, there is the issue of Taiwan, where for a while that rivalry between the U.S. and China seemed to worsen, all because of the House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit on August the 2nd, despite Beijing's warnings. What are your thoughts on how the two countries can move forward with regard to this? Look, 
the statement by the president, uh, by the president of the United States yesterday, that the U.S. does not believe China will invade Taiwan, I think is extremely important uh, and extremely revealing in reducing the tension between the two countries. Uh, whereas the pre prior months was all about uh, possibilities that the U.S. Uh, takes on military action in one form or another against Taiwan mm-hmm. uh, by no later than 2024. We now have a very clear statement from the U.S. administration that they do not believe that that will happen. Uh, that will reduce the tension. On this, at the same time, I think China should also not uh, take offense at having uh, the elected Speaker of the House go and visit, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, those visits are symbolic. Uh, it does not in any way reduce uh, or diminish uh, the one China policy. So I think that has to be compromised on both sides. Um, and I think the statements that said by the president that China is not looking to invade, I think is a very positive step. So overall, would you consider this sort of like a reset meeting to be considered a success? I think it's definitely a success for both countries and for both presidents. Uh, I think what you're going to see is an agreement to resume talks. Uh, and I think the proof is in the pudding. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, so I would say I'm cautiously optimistic, and uh, what happens in the coming months is very important. For example, there's an agreement to uh, resume climate talks. Yeah. This is really great news. I was at the COP27 last week mm. in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, uh, and you can see that there was a real desire for countries like China and the U.S. to take the leadership. Uh, President Xi Jinping had made a few years ago key statements about reducing carbon emission. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to do it without cooperation with countries like the U.S. So the resumption of the climate talks, I think, is excellent news. Mm, I think, if anything, we've learned from the recent pandemic, especially where businesses are concerned as well, is that there is this need for governments to cooperate now as opposed to in the past where it was really all about growing your economy first. That's absolutely right. The, 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 your bringing up the pandemic is exactly it. Uh, when you have these global pandemic, uh, there are no borders. And you have to be able to cooperate on vaccination, on being Mm. able to ensure that people have the means to fight those. And that is the same thing with climate. Climate has no borders. It's impacting everyone. I've been speaking with Sadiq Waba, who is member of the Council on Foreign Relations, Wilson's Center's Global Advisory Council, as well as Senior Fellow for NYU. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Take care and have a great day ahead. Thank you.